Swamiji, do you think that God answers our prayers? How does I, he even hear them? I know for a fact that he answers them. He's answered mine many times. But one time particularly was, was special to me. I had a sudden attack of kidney stone, and my body was shaking like a leaf. And I don't like to pray for myself, so I didn't do anything but suffer. People wanted to take me the long, winding road to the hospital. I, I said, I can't stand the thought of those winding roads. And I was just shaking. There was nothing I could do. Women who have given birth say that kidney stones, if they've had them, are worse than that. And uh, at about quarter to 11, I had the Sunday service to give. It was Sunday morning. And uh, I finally said, well, Divine Mother, um, I can't talk like this, but if you want me to give it, I, I didn't pray for myself, but I said, if you want me to give this service, then you'll have to take this pain away. It just, like that, it went away. And it was replaced by such joy that I, I could hardly speak. But I've seen that happen so many times in my life. God is not huge. He's not distant. He's center everywhere, circumference nowhere. Yogananda, in his autobiography of a yogi, said, I cognize the center of this whole universe as a point of intuitive perception in my own heart. So God is not outside the universe. He brings it into manifestation from the center of everything. Every atom is dowered with individuality. And the God that you are seeking is not out there in the stars. He's right inside your own heart. Yes, he is. This is, listens to your prayers. He hears your every thought. And uh, no matter how you try to hide from him, he's the one person you can't hide from. Swamiji, when he doesn't seem to answer or when the answer isn't forthcoming immediately, is there anything you would recommend? Well, I think there's one answer to that among others, and that is what Yogananda said. Why should God answer people's prayers. He knows all they want to do is argue with him. <laughs> but the thing is that people have so many thoughts that their prayers aren't focused. And how can God, poor God, figure out what you want when you're asking for a million things at once? I had a cousin whose first child had some sort of physical trouble, and she was desperately worried about her child and wanted desperately to pray for the child. And yet, even so, she found her mind going to the milk bottle, whether the milk bottles or the milkman had delivered the milk that day, what they were going to have for dinner, all sorts of other things, even in her urgency. So people need to learn how to um, f pray with focus. God needs to know what you're praying. <laughs> and how do you recommend people develop that focus? Well, by yoga, by meditation. Yoga is not some sort of a magic thing. Yoga is teaching you to direct all your energy in one way so that that energy can flow to you. Really speaking, your success in life depends upon your concentration. Concentration, willpower, you know, when you put electric, I've said this before, when you put an electric current through an electric wire, mm -hmm. 
it generates a magnetic force. The greater the force of electricity, the greater the magnetic field. And so when we put a great deal of mental of willpower and energy into what we're doing, we can attract success. But it depends upon our mind. This universe is made of consciousness. It is not a solid universe. It's energy. Energy is a manifestation of thoughts. Thoughts are a manifestation of consciousness. Swamiji, why is it if, why do we need to pray? Doesn't God know what's best anyway? It's good to share your thoughts with him. You know, Yogananda said this also in Autobiography of a Yogi. He said that thoughts are universally, not individually rooted. And it depends upon our level of consciousness. When our level of consciousness is in the lower part of the body, lower part of the spine, we're thinking of sex and food and pleasures and material things. When our energy can rise, then we're thinking more spiritual things. So if we pray to God, then our energy is more likely to go upward and the kind of things that will attract to us will be also of a higher kind. So it's good to pray for other people. Definitely it's good to pray for other people. I don't like to pray for myself because I don't like to stress my ego. And the whole spiritual path is to get out of this thought of ego. God is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. That means he's centered you and you and me. But as long as I'm in my little ego, I see myself as separate from you and from you and from everybody. And so I can become very proud and very a hangdog if I've done badly. And all these things have to be overcome. We have to understand that it is God who dreamed my existence, your existence, your existence. His, he is the dreamer. And we have to get rid of this thought that I am separate from him. Ego is what keeps us separate. When we can get rid of this ego, we see that it's all God's dream. And a free soul is one who has reached that point where, he's, where he sees that God is dreaming everything. Is it important to have a strong ego before you can overcome it? I don't think it is, but maybe it is to this, to this extent that you become aware that you've got something to overcome. In other words, an animal doesn't have much ego. A sense of self. Yeah, animal, you have to have that. That's why a human being, human beings have a strong enough ego to know that that's what's pinching them. <laughs> so they want to get out. But even a dog can have some ego. I remember little Jasper, he was a Scottish terrier we used to have in Romania where I was, when I was young. And... Uh, Jasper one time came out of the house in Bucharest uh, with Bobby, my brother, who was about seven years old, and the dog catchers came and they thought they could get Bobby and hold him for ransom and get some money. And Bobby held their net pole and said, run, Jasper, run, and Jasper, run like anything. And when he, he was a lazy fellow, when he, he finally got out of sight of the dog catchers who were pounding after him, he hid behind a bush 
and the Dorcasters chasers catchers ran by him, and then he came trotting home. And for weeks afterwards, we would talk about this episode. And Jasper might be sitting under a table, but as soon as we start talking about it, you <laughs> he knew we were talking about him. Animals do have some ego, but it's it's vague, and it doesn't cause them suffering the way people. People know they're suffering, and it's the ego, it's the consciousness of ego that makes you realize that you want to get out of it. So to that extent, you need an ego. You don't need a big ego, you just need a, an aware ego. Swamiji, why is there so much suffering in the world? The suffering comes because people, you see, our goal in life is to understand that we are part of the divine bliss. We're a part of God. And if we do things that go against that, then we suffer. We're on a ladder. Anything below the ladder will make us go downward into darkness, let's say. Anything above will make us go up into light. If we're at the bottom of the ladder, just about anything will take us toward the light. If we're at the top, just about everything will take us downward into darkness. So suffering is that which takes you away from the level of peace and happiness that you have achieved already. So that, uh, let's say Jesus Christ, if he were to awake one morning and say, I'm sick of serving humanity, I'm going to go out and become a millionaire. Even materialists would say, this man has fallen. But if a lazy fellow who never does anything were to wake up from his bed of sloth one morning and say, I'm going to go out and become a millionaire, even saints will applaud. So you see, values are relative. They depend upon where you are right now. But that which takes you away from that bliss inside is that which will cause you suffering. And it may cause you suffering and cause another one even to be a certain amount happy. For example, if I have a a nice dessert that I want to share with somebody, and then I say, no, I want it for myself, well, I I will feel sort of small. I'll enjoy the dessert, but I won't enjoy the happiness that comes from sharing. But a mafioso or somebody who's only interested in grabbing for himself, if he were to have that attitude, he would feel happy. At least he's eating uh, dessert and not killing somebody. (laughs) So it might do him good. So it's all relative. It depends on where you are on the ladder. Swamiji, um, going back to prayer, there's there's a phrase in the Bible or a passage in the Bible where it says that the Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. And how would you explain that, or how would you understand that in terms of prayer? God knows that you have that need, and he will give it to you. But you have to turn consciously to him, and then he will be able to lift you. Uh, I, I know that my guru knew every thought that I had, but I had to express it. I remember one time it was very interesting because... He was sitting as close, standing as close to me as you are right now. And uh, he had an apple in his hand. And I was thinking to myself, but he's not just there, he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in one with God. 
And with a twinkle in his eye, he came over to me and gave me an apple. <laughs> sort of telling me, well, I'm, yes, you, you remembered, but you have to relate to me as a human being also. It was a very charming little repartee between us. Nobody else caught it, but we did. The, the prayer, when you pray to God, expect Him to pray with confidence. Don't say, whoa, who am I to ask you? He's your own father. He's your mother. Why wouldn't He want to give you? But if you have a pure prayer, if you have a prayer for other people, if you have a prayer for, uh, don't pray for, don't pray for vengeance, that prayer may have, may be answered also. But you won't be happy for it. Said he, you can't, you can't know what he will answer, but what he answers will be right for you.